0: Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. A couple bumpings, leads in, shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds
1: and eight assists.
0: Oh! Hollins, oh! Hollins! climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan oh! Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now,
1: here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Holland, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is Ryan Hollins, NBA vet, star of screen and radio you can hear him oh i don't know you can hear him on fox radio with chris broussard you can see him on first take second take third take everything espn has you can see him you can follow him on twitter at the ryan hollands and on instagram at ryan hollands all right it's been a minute ryan a lot has happened but i am just back from las vegas and the summer league, and so it got me to thinking, I was there from the very beginning, uh, the Vegas summer league. How much summer league did you play? You were drafted in two thousand six,
0: correct? Yeah, I was drafted in 06. I came out for summer league.
1: In Vegas or Salt Lake ankle. or where were you? Or because there no, was
0: back then we were Orlando. Yep, we were Orlando, and we didn't mm-hmm. do Vegas. And for those who don't know, the guys, NBA teams would either go to Orlando or go to uh, go to Salt Lake. Right. Because they didn't like the crowds. And they always felt like it was more of a practice environment and there was no nonsense. But the team started to realize, go to Vegas because if these idiots can't deal with the casinos and stuff here, yeah. how are they going to deal with the NBA life? Yeah. So – let them go out and let them party. They they're gonna cut themselves, and mm. you know we we you kind of know who a guy is from a a young age. And you know, summer league has turned into like a real event. Rick, like oh. remember, it was like it was a joke.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, first first year of two thousand and four, I think it was. There were six NBA teams, and I think there were agents that put together teams that were like their free agent guys who just wanted to be seen and. Warren Legary, who runs or at least started the summer league, needed teams to fill it out because as you said, there was a real uh there was a real sort of anti Las Vegas sentiment uh among the teams that were serious. Orlando, you know, you didn't have any fans, they didn't sell tickets. Salt Lake City you did, but it was Salt Lake City, not that many people came in. It's basically a local crowd coming to check it out, and you'd have four or five teams and you could always tell like the, the the like-minded teams all the serious teams uh on the east Coast went to Orlando and all the serious teams out west or Midwest San Antonio Salt Lake uh, they would all go to uh go to Salt Lake City and play in that and but and then and then now Las Vegas is just taking it over I think in part because of what you said I also think it's the owners like coming out and that's become a thing now. Like all the owners come and hang out and you have the board of governors meetings in Las Vegas and it's just become a place. It's and it's actually taken away from what it was for me from a media standpoint because I used to be able to sit in the stands with uh, any GM or coach and you'd hang out and you'd watch a, you'd watch a game, you'd wa- you'd watch more than their game and you could just talk about stuff going on in the league and gain a lot of information. And now Everybody kind of is, is they got to meet with their owners and meet with their teams and they got practices and so they only come in to watch their games and then Warren since it's on TV wants them seen so he puts them courtside and it's just really changed it and this this year more than anything brought that home to me.
0: Hmm, that, that's an interesting component uh, because for those who don't know, a lot of deals get done at summer league if they aren't already done. Uh prior, but any and everybody is there and and like yeah. you said, you'll have owner you'll have general general manager, you'll have president uh <laughs> coach scout I mean everybody's in the building, and you would think, oh just these these rookies and sometimes not even these rookies are playing these are free agent guys, but it's a it's a real serious event where everybody goes to and it used to have like a bad stigma for guys who are in the league, like why am I going to summer league and mm. now. Everybody, like you're not somebody if you're not going to summer league or even being seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Now the vet players come through to be seen, sitting courtside. <laughs> yes, right. Everyone wants yes. to do the stroll coming in and then sitting courtside, and the cameras are on them. LeBron, Chris Paul, you name it. Uh, the one guy who did play, who's a vet, and I got to look and see how many game- years he has in the league. Cameron Payne was playing for the Mavericks. And he was playing angry. And I don't think he was helping himself, to be honest with you. He came down and he hit two threes in a row in a, in a close game. And he was MFing Kyle Guy, who he was matched up with. And Rick Carlisle is sitting courtside. And you know Rick. I'm thinking, Cam... I don't, you're showing, I mean, he just, he looked, so, he was playing so angry, and not angry like, I want to beat everybody, it was like, angry, I can't believe I have to do this, and I'm playing summer league at this stage of my career. And they ended up losing the game, and I just felt like, dude, you're, if if, if you are serious about making the Dallas Mavericks, you are not behaving in a way that's going to impress Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle is not down with all, the histrionics and I don't know if cam was aware of that
0: or if he cared no I mean a lot of these a lot of these kids don't have the correct mentorship behind them and you got to understand when you got you got 15 guys fighting for one spot if if one spot because some teams just elect to not use it or some teams may have two spots potentially you got 15 guys fighting for one spot I'm trying to find a reason to weed you out and if you hadn't realized the competition level isn't that far off and now Rick what i'm saying that's kind of drives me crazy is the draft picks don't play right and i'm trying to figure out why that is and you've gotten to the point Rick where these guys play a half of a game or two and then they're done and i even remember you know the first one, two or three games, you would have second and third year guys coming out and playing. Right. And I don't know if it's Vegas. I don't know if they're scared of injuries. I don't know if they want, they don't want them to look bad at this time of year, but I don't, I just have a real problem with kind of just not playing. I was always just raised to just, Hey, play as much basketball as you can. Right.
1: Uh, so cam has played uh, four seasons for three different teams and but he was a he was a first round pick, man. He was the fourteenth pick by the Thunder. So I I understand why he feels the way he does, but dude, you gotta be able to put that behind you and just say, Hey, I'm I'm still trying to make a career out of this and I got a chance to do it. And I look at his skill set and there's no reason why he can't. There's no reason why he can't play in the league. I don't know if he's he's a starter, I don't know where he is, but if if he really it took the right approach there's no doubt that he could he could find a place
0: yeah but there's like we said rick there's no difference between you know that 15th spot yeah. and you know if you're not going to make or break my roster i'm yeah. going to go with the guy who's who's zero headache and i don't know what the kids yeah. like off the court but yeah you got to be careful about a message you portray or who's who's in your camp telling you what to or not to do or
1: you know, if you've been through a couple teams already, and you you're getting dinged by Oklahoma City and Chicago, John Paxson is a respected guy. Uh, Sam Presti is a respected guy. If they're oh yeah, if, if they're moving on from you, then that's a that's a red flag for a lot of other teams. And I can see where Dallas would take a, a flyer at him, but I can also see where Rick Carlisle would go. I've seen enough. So we'll see ultimately where it goes with uh, with Cameron Payne. The uh, you're you're so right though about uh, how challenging it is and and how much people make out of summer league and I think more so now because we got people like we got all thirty teams there we got twenty thousand people showing up for certain summer league games a guy has a big big game or even you know a big showing and it's suddenly this guy can play and it's summer league I mean it's just it's still a different. Like, the guys you're playing against, the vast majority of them are not going to be in the league. Now, speaking of which, you and I have talked about this, but I really got to get your take because you and I were like-minded about, let's slow our roll on Zion Williamson. And you and I have not spoken since, at least not for the podcast, have not spoken since he had his brief debut what did you see, what did you think as a result of what you saw from Zion in that first look, in that first summer league game?
0: At, at this point in his career, he is what we thought he was. He doesn't have a position quite yet. Uh, the reason I define that is because he, he's not tall enough to be a center, even though he he can weak side shot block with the best of them, uh, mm. if, if that timing, his timing is on point. Uh, and his footwork, shooting, and ball handling isn't refined enough quite yet to be a wing. And yep. now in today's NBA, you're either a five or you're a wing. You're running <laughs> the three point line. Yep. Or possibly you can, you know, get with a guy and you can play like a Draymond Green type of role. But that means you're in a perfect system. Uh so he still needs guys to create shots for him. Now, hats off to David Griffin. He spent money on JJ Reddick. He kept Drew Holiday. Uh, he's putting Brandon Ingram's there, Lonzo Ball, perfect addition. He's putting guys around Zion that can get him the basketball rather than just having him in a uh, on a depleted roster. And that's a, he, essentially this roster is ten times better than what Anthony Davis had. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis was was traded for half the roster, which beefed it up. Yeah. Uh, but you've set the stage for Zion to kind of catch and finish. He, he's a, he's an elite finisher right now as far as just going jumping and getting up, and that's not in question, Rick. Uh, but I don't see a position yet, but I, 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 just, I love the way the kid competes, dude. I don't think there's any kind of Hollywood in it. You know, we kind of talked about guys not playing. Like if it were up to him, he'd play every game.
1: Right. Uh, what do you make of the fact that he was clearly out of shape?
0: I, I, don't, I don't blow that. I know Seth, uh, Seth Greenberg said that. Uh, you know, during the game, and and he was right, but it's so early in the year, and he's so young, it's not a big deal. You got to keep in mind. So a guy like myself, I was drafted 50th, but I literally had 13 or 14 NBA workouts, and this was like, like six workouts in seven days, like flying, fly, fly workout, fly workout, fly workout. You know how many Zion work, Zion workouts he probably had? Let's let's probably say one or two where he shot- And the lightest
1: of workouts.
0: in the lightest, for the number one pick. And he shot jumpers and he dunked the basketball possibly and he lifted some weights and did some tests. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that he hasn't had to compete. He even saw that uh, for a little bit with like Lonzo Ball. And I believe he was a little a little out of shape, if I'm not mistaken, uh, during his actual Laker workout. And that was kind of a buzz going on. But once you know you have the your timing or your, or your draft spot uh, secured, you're not going to see the same level of competition, and it's smart because you can't, you don't want to get hurt before you get signed.
1: Well, that's why I, th- I believe that. That's why they shut him down more so than the the, it, the knee injury was serious. It's that, you know what? We're going to risk hurting this kid because he's not in shape, and he's going to be out here, and there's going to be a bit eyeballs on him. And I think what you saw in that first game, he was, he was he was trying to dispel all of the questions about his game, and all he did was confirm them. You know, shooting the three look did not look good. Airball to mid range off the dribble. It's like my feeling was, and I said this in the last podcast, just dude, just do what you do best right now. Work yeah, on the rest of it
0: behind the scenes. You don't Don't need... you feel like he kind of adjusted as the game went on and just said, Forget it?
1: Uh yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Um I mean certainly he was dunking the ball and he was you know, what they were yeah, running for like him the, too. Was... I feel like
0: the gear switched r- Rick kinda a little bit and mm. it was like, you know what, just just go dunk. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. dunk.
1: Yeah, which he which he did. I you know, the the I mean, again, we're doing this through the prism of the number one pick and all the high expectations. He didn't rebound the ball particularly well. And there's I just I again, it's what we've talked about. There is so much growth that has to happen. I like the kid's personality. I think he's uh I you know, everything I've heard, the work ethic is there in spite of that he, you know, he wasn't in shape. But he's but he's young. He's he's just really young and he has a really young game. And so I just wanna I, I was actually more impressed with the Pelicans' next two picks, Jackson Hayes and uh Nikkel Alexander Walker. Than, than, than Zion in terms of where those guys were picked and what they showed. Jackson Hayes was electric. Now, again, it's summer league, and he had to wait because of the machinations of the trade, and so he had to sign late. He didn't play at first. So he was he was gung-ho when he got out there. Um, but, man, he, he showed, in spite of his build, that he can finish with contact. He he he's very agile. I don't know how much you saw of him, uh, but he impressed me, liked his demeanor, liked everything about him, and uh and Nikel Alexander Walker is a, is a wing who I can see being in a rotation right from the start. Shoots the three, can defend his position, can handle it a little bit. It's uh the Pelicans Pelicans scored at least three and they say four. They like their their fourth round pick too, played over in over in France. Um I think it was France. He's played Didi is the kid's name. He was their second round pick. That's his nickname. But I thought the Pelicans Pelicans did well, but I like their deeper picks than than it's not just all Zion. I'll put it that way when it comes to this draft class for the for the Pelicans. Did you did you see any of Jackson Hayes? How much do you know about him? Cuz he reminds me a little bit about of of you and the uh, I
0: knew you're going to say
1: well he does. <laughs> he does. He's he is a high you know, funny, flyer.
0: The dunk that he had, they, they compared it to something I did um one of my dunks when I jumped over Blatch. That was mm-hmm. funny. Um but the thing about him is the kid has a potential has potential. And not just his potential, he has a, a position. Yeah. You know what he is. Yeah. He's a rim roller, he's a finisher, his game is defined. And you're not questioning that. And what's tough is if I'm gonna get the most bang for my buck out of Zion, he's gonna be playing the center spot or yeah. or my five is gonna have to be like a Brooke Lopez to space the floor so he can roll down the middle, right? And that that becomes an issue. And for a while, it was an issue with Anthony Davis where and Anthony really, you know, picked it up and refined his game. But Anthony Davis was really effective, highly effective as a roller, and you had to play him with Ryan Anderson. What happened is Anthony Davis didn't want to play the five. So on the defensive right. end of the floor, he'd get abused down there. Now since, he's put on muscle. He knocked down three balls. He's really, really developed. So you you hope that Zion, his work ethic, turns into skill work and his footwork, but I, I do love the way the kid works his tail off.
1: Well, there's, a, there's a lot of work to be done for him to develop that the, 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 the jump shot or a three-point shot. that We're not going to see that this year. That's, that's now, something you, that he's going to have you to work there on next summer.
0: At the game or, were you there live at the game or did you miss that one?
1: Friday I was at home, so I did not experience that earthquake. I experienced an earthquake earlier in the week in LA, but I didn't experience that one. So, um and I'm trying to think, by the time I got there, there were no more earthquakes. So we didn't I was there I got there on Sunday, um and stayed until Wednesday. So I'd been in LA all week doing TV. I need to come home and then I took my son with me for the first time, which was great because for as as jaded as I might be about Summer League having done, you know, fourteen of these and this is number fifteen uh experiencing it through his eyes he he had a blast it was like the first night we came back to the hotel after watching games all day and he's like dad we got to do this every year i'm like you know what let's let's wait until we get to wednesday
0: <laughs> well, you, well you you know what too hmm. for him those aren't young boring guys those yeah. are him the as a young kid yes i am gonna relate more to the summer league guys yes. and the rookies than my guys and that's why if you remember a guy's rookie year as a young guy, he sticks with you forever. Yes. I don't relate to – I couldn't relate to like Sam Perkins right. and Otis right. Thorpe and, and those guys or Elijah. I related to Kobe and Shaq. They were, they were me on the floor in my mind.
1: Sure. Well, and, and, and he also – he's followed a lot of these guys from high school to college. And so he had a book on more players than I did. He was wow. giving me some background that's on funny. some of them. Yeah, I mean, it funny. was uh. It was good to have him have him there. He was like, I want to see this guy and I want to see this guy and uh I want to see what okay. this guy does and
0: maybe he can start the new hipper younger version of of Buker and Blackman and Black Men in Holland.
1: <laughs> yeah, well we actually he, he he and I did a podcast. We did a Buker and Buker uh, from Vegas. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, that's, that's, it was, that's that's cool. Man. It was a lot of fun. Cool. I tried to get him I tried to get him to do another one with me and he was like uh. No, Dad, I really don't want to. <laughs> oh, I was like, "Oh, my gosh. break my heart, man." Okay, fine. We're not gonna, we're not gonna give you a second run. Um, all right. So, the some of the other news coming out, big, 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 big blockbuster trade catches a lot of eyeballs, and that's obviously Russ Westbrook going to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul, a couple future first round picks, and. It's exciting, and it makes it ratchets up the interest even more so in the Western Conference, in 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 particular, and in the NBA in general. Because uh, I would imagine that Chris Paul still headed someplace else, whether it be I've heard Minnesota, I've heard Miami. There's no way that there's no way that Sam made this deal not knowing that he's got a place to move Chris Paul onto, but. Uh, let's focus on just the Houston end of things with Westbrook joining forces with James Harden again. Uh, I'm it's funny I, I, I sent out a bunch of te- I texted a bunch of my contacts around the league just to get a feel for like what's their reaction to this. And nobody, but nobody player, scout, GM, personnel director nobody on any level was thinking that this really moves the needle for the houston rockets i was amazed it was across the board there was probably like five or six people that i checked in with uh and so certainly it's not you know a, a unanimous by any or you know widespread uh poll but nonetheless what do you think of the fact that i got that from so many different places I got the same reaction which was ah, they're just rearranging chairs I don't see how two ball dominant guys how this is going to be any different than what it was the last time around
0: well I believe it is going to be better uh, but the way that the Lakers and Clippers have loaded up yeah. it's it it doesn't excite you the same way and we have to harp back to the loss of Trevor Ariza and that was such a, a an emotional uh, X's and O's, uh, just a big loss from Houston that they hadn't recovered. And I'm optimistic they'll be better. I believe that the whole league should be on alert from what they're going to see from those two guys. But I don't necessarily put them as contenders. And it allows James to be a playmaker – And I believe these two guys are coming back to the table with unfinished business. Westbrook actually being traded and James Harden has to be looking himself in the mirror at his legacy without the same excuse that, oh, we would have run if Chris Paul was healthy. And I'm not saying that James personally made that excuse that, you know, what the hell does the regular season mean? These awards, if I can't get it done to the playoffs and now the West, well, the West seemed like it was wide open, but he, he's, got, he's got some help that he hadn't had last year. And Chris was good the year before, but Chris wasn't too good this last year.
1: It's interesting that you say that James Harden is going to be the playmaker because that means Russ Westbrook is going to be off the ball.
0: And I, I, I think both. I think... If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think you'll see both.
1: Well, that's the challenge because I... That's where, uh, look, physically, Westbrook is in a place right now that Chris Paul has not been for a couple of years. Uh, True. At, at, at And maybe at his best was not what True. Russ Westbrook is even now. But Russ is hard to play with and figure out what he's going to do because he doesn't always know what he's going to do until he does <laughs> it. And... And Chris Chris think, uh, is a little more predictable, so you know where he's trying to get to and where you should be as a result. And that's where I, I, I wonder if they are indeed going to be better or how much better.
0: I mean, Chris has to, Chris has to play the two-man game with Capella to get a shot off, to get mm-hmm. to his mid-range. You know, he, he doesn't have a choice. Let me ask you this and I'm, it's going to lead me to my next statement but I want to see how you feel first. Do you attribute Russ's playing style or lack thereof or the, the question marks to Russell or to Billy Donovan and Scotty Brooks?
1: It's certainly a combination. Uh, I mean, he hasn't had I mean this is always this is the yin and the yang when you have somebody like Russ who can dominate athletically the way that he does. Have they tried to make him play within a system or found ways to utilize him in 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 more complex ways than just take off or a play iso ball? I, d- I can't answer that. And I don't have a track record for Billy or for Scott to say that... They run offenses that this was Russ not being able to conform or not being willing to conform. I don't. I don't know that, but I do know that, and I've always been a Russ fan. I've. I've been. I've defended him. I defended him when the whole KD. I. I from the very beginning when KD was still there and people were blaming Russ, uh, for, because KD wasn't getting enough Ooh, shots be, or whatever their shortcomings were. Will, will, I defended Russ.
0: Answer, answer this real quick, and I, don't, I think this has been glossed over. When KD left, everybody, darn near everybody in the media, massacred Russ. And even when Paul George just recently, they said, no one wants to play with him. This was foul. And now Kendrick Perkins kind of broke the news uh, and confirmed the news that Stephen A. Smith said that he was told that Kevin Durant was staying. They met, and it was all good. And Kevin Durant goes a day later and changes his mind. So he ends up telling Russell via text. And Russell never told that story. Stephen A. Smith had to tell it. A couple other guys had to confirm it. And Kendrick Perkins confirms it. But Russell just shut his mouth through the process. Does that change your view of him at all? Because he had been seen as this guy. It's a horrible tag that nobody wants to play with.
1: No, because I never thought that that was the case i i i didn't i mean k d the way he the way he left and that and I knew that he had texted him that's that's how he said goodbye i didn't know that I didn't know the part that Russ thought he was coming back, and that was the first uh revelation that he that that kD wasn't i would say k d basically did the same thing to golden State, so uh I believe the pattern. That said, I, I, I didn't fault Russ for KD leaving. Sometimes, guys, and in, and and in part because KD was never really honest about where their relationship was. Mm, um, true. So, so, but but I I thought you know Russ, look, KD was what a four time leading scorer in the league in in Oklahoma City. He was a league MVP. I, I I'm like well, how is Russ holding him back? And I saw KD in, in in many instances have the ball and miss with the game on the line or turn the ball over or make mistakes. As much as I saw Russ, Russ simply was, KD, if you're not going to be aggressive, then I'll go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to wait to see if you're going to be aggressive. You get the ball, if you don't go and I get it back, I'm going to go and make something happen because I'm confident in that This is what's changed for me when it comes to Russ, is that, and I think he's a victim of his own athleticism, whereas other guys that don't just have that blow-by speed or can stop on a dime and rise up and hit a mid-range jumper and you can't contest it, is that he's never developed the decision-making of... If I get a step, I'm going to survey everything and then I'm going to make a decision. He gets a step and he's going all the way to the cup. And if he gets challenged at the cup, now I'm looking for my second option.
0: And Rick, for me, that's where D'Antoni's system is going to help. Reason number one, he's never had a team that spaced the floor and and spread hmm. you in on the three-point line hmm. and shot it effectively. That's what Houston does. For two, it's... I don't want to say organized chaos, but it's organized. It's almost like a secondary break they play in. Yeah. So what do I mean by a secondary break? If I come down and run a play, there may be multiple screens to a certain action, a post up, a pick and roll, whatever it may be. But when I say they run a secondary, these guys run the spots on the floor and they essentially read and react rather than just having to have either fast break or a set and everything is predicated on getting in the paint, driving the basketball and kicking out. Which means Russ is going to be downhill. And now you got to pick and choose whether you're going to help or not. And this is a guy who can help out James Harden. James Harden, there's a stat. At some point during his during his scoring tear, he scored 263 unassisted. Do you know the wear and tear that that puts on your sure, body? Sure. I mean, that Russell Westbrook, who's, let's say, and argue me if you, if, if you must, is the best guard in the NBA at rebounding and the best at assisting the basketball. So that means he can get a defensive rebound, push full court, and make easy opportunities with the spread floor for James Harden, Gordon, Capella, any of those guys.
1: Well, he's led the league in assists, but I believe that some of that is because because of the rebounding and because once he takes off, he's either scoring he's or he's taking a shot. Or I mean, this is the this is the foundation of all the triple doubles. Is that he's rebounding the ball defensively, then he's leading the break, and on the break he's either scoring or he's kicking it and somebody's scoring. And as a result, on multiple possessions, he's filling two of the categories: assist, scoring, or rebounding. Yep. Two of the three on multiple possessions, which is why he gets so many triple doubles.
0: But 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 Rick, I I tell you from a coaching standpoint, it is ideal and it's always been preached for my guards to rebound the
1: basketball Mm
0: -hmm. and now we're out. Yeah. And even, you know, you you know, Golden State when they're at their best, whoever gets it would just go, whether it was Iggy, whether it was Dre, whether it was Steph, and then those guys filled lane. Steph wasn't coming back crying for the ball. He would fill a lane and go get a bucket. Now, right. obviously, we're going to be interested to see how that uh, dynamic winds up in Golden State. But if you imagine that with Houston, now their pace gets up, and now James Harden is a guy who had to pace himself through games. He literally couldn't sub out. He has help, and Chris Paul wasn't help as much as you want to say he was this last year. He 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 wasn't help, and I'm not going to go as far as say a liability, but he couldn't he couldn't handle the same load sure. that he once did.
1: Yeah. No. And when you say filling a lane, I mean, I think I think of more running to spots because filling a lane, I think you're yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're yeah. looking for something going to the basket. <laughs> that's not that's not what happens anymore. As soon as guys are going across ca- half Good court, point. they're looking for a spot behind the three point line. Um, Yeah. No, it, it 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 will be interesting to see where this goes. And and they do have some they do have something to prove. What I found interesting, I went back and I looked at how much those two played together in Oklahoma City. And the first two years, I mean, first of all, Harden always came off the bench, and generally he came off uh, when when Russ was going out. Like he played more with Ibaka and Nick Collison and KD than he did with Russ. It wasn't until the last year that he was second in minutes. With Russ to the minutes that Harden played with KD, so there is some. It's not as if they have a history of being on the floor together. Back then, it was really a separate a, a separate thing. So there's it. It'll be interesting to see exactly how much familiarity they have and where's and where it goes. Sure. Uh, very quickly, I'm on record as saying that after all of the the moves. Between the Clippers and the Lakers, and I know you bleed red, white, and blue, um, but I believe you—you do. I believe, yes, you do. I believe that it's okay. I mean, look, there's, you know, I don't know if it's Steve Ballmer's signature on the check, but look, Uh, I, I get it. I get it. It's okay. Uh, But nonetheless, I, uh, I believe that the Clippers are the better roster right now. I'm a bigger believer in them um, just from a chemistry and fit standpoint than I am with the Lakers. Lakers have an impressive list of names. I don't know how well it's going to work. Are they going to be better? 100% they're going to be better. This is a much better roster well, me, for LeBron.
0: But me I don't think that they're back. better
1: than the Clippers right now.
0: Let me throw something back your way, and by the way, I objectively agree—not just from a paycheck, <laughs> Rick. You, you, it's shocking you. that you agree with me. Oh on this. my gosh! <laughs> but let me let me ask this: You are very familiar, intimately, with the Lakers organization. Mm-hmm. Who's in power there? LeBron. Okay, fair. That's the first thing you say, and you are familiar, very familiar, with the Clippers organization. Who's in power there?
1: Uh I am going to say, well, that's interesting because I would have normally said, and I'm the first thought that my first name that came to mind was Doc Rivers hmm and i so, guess i'll st- I guess I'll stay with that, although he doesn't have the same personnel control, obviously when he was wearing both hats,
0: yeah, yeah, so we'll say personnel control, whatever it may be, but you you know. Doc Rivers. Yes. If you're thinking Clippers, you're thinking, hey, we're making a hard decision. Who's playing what minutes? Who's doing whatever? Doc Rivers. Right. The fact that you you, you didn't even... I don't even know if you blinked. I don't even know if you ran through your mind, Frank Vogel. Oh, no, 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 name. no, no, no. I don't know. No. What, what is the first thing you think when that name comes, comes to turn?
1: Um, how long does he last before Jason Kidd takes over?
0: <laughs> how long does he last? And if I'm going to look at these two rosters... And maybe let's just say the talent is a wash. Let's just say these guys are – this is a – we don't know who's going to be what, but on paper right now, these both these rosters are stacked, okay? And I look, and I know when i got to figure out who's the starting five, who's on the floor, when Doc Rivers says, you know what, Paul George, take a seat for Mantra's Herald. We're playing a different lineup. Yeah. He does whatever he may be doing at the time and, and fix – and plugging and finding stuff, that's going to be what it's going to be. When it comes to the Lakers, you got a lot you got to figure out.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And that's I agree. the
0: edge that I give. And, and it's coming back to haunt them that they did not get Tyron Lubrik. Yeah.
1: Well, and they they have a couple of big personalities there who are probably going to have to play roles. And how is Frank going to handle that? Now, I will say this I ran into Frank at Summer League. And uh, it was uh, Frank and Al Gentry met them, uh, ran into them outside the locker rooms or in the tunnel outside the locker rooms. Frank, if he's stressed about this situation, he is not showing it. He is, he is giddy and excited about being the Lakers head coach. And, and it is, that's sort of his personality and we'll see where that goes. But, I look. I, I really like him. He, he's just a good guy. Do I think he's cut out for this challenge? Hell no, I don't. And I, I hate saying that, but look, I got. I have to be
0: honest. Why, why is he not? Why is he not cut out? Why is he not cut out? You're at of. Why is he not cut out?
1: Because he is not a confrontational type guy. Just for the same reason, mm. Mike D'Antoni would be a terrible coach for LeBron James. Because you have two passive aggressive type guys. I need somebody Do you I need
0: somebody who's gonna stand up? Let me ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you this about LeBron. Yeah. There's kind of an unwritten thing, I don't know, that we've seen, or I don't know, I don't want to call it a rule, but just kind of an understanding better yet. Yeah. That LeBron responds well even better to an older African-American coach. And Uh, we've seen that kind of through history. Do you, and I'm not saying that LeBron does not like Spanish coaches, Filipino. Okay. He won with, with Eric Spolstra. Okay. So that's that.
1: Yeah. But he tried to back him up. We're not going to make (laughs) it. He tried to move him aside. That was one of the first things he tried to do.
0: So do you believe that LeBron would have responded better to a Tyron Lou or, or eventually a Jason Kidd or a, or Lionel Hollins? Do you think that ultimately is going to be the the final say?
1: I do believe that those guys would work. Jason comes in with an established respect factor from LeBron. I would hope that Lionel would too, in much in much the same way uh, Paul Silas did in Cleveland, his first his first head coach. The problem is that. Those guys are assistants, and if we're saying you know, at some point they're going to make a switch, well, okay, so when are you going to make the switch? And, and whenever you make the switch, it throws everything kind of sideways because now you're going to go through this process of Frank Vogel is not LeBron's guy. At some point, a change is made to what? To appease LeBron. Where does LeBron. that put everybody else on the team? How do they feel about it? And you don't have, I don't think you have like the young guns, like that really doing, doing that with guys like Alonzo ball and, uh, and, and Kyle Kuzma for the first time that clearly shook them. Uh, I, I I think these vets, if that happens to Danny Green or Jared Dudley, they're not going to, they're they are They'll be fine.
0: I, I agree right now. Uh, and, I, and if I'm, if I'm going to go back through history and look at LeBron teams and what he's done well with is he they've always surrounded him with professionals, a pros pro. The yeah. guy who's in early, out late, whether he plays five minutes or 40 minutes is going to be ready. Yep. We, just, we just named off Danny Green. We just named off, off Jared Dudley. We just named off Rondo. A number of those guys that are filled, they're oozing with them in the locker room right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And the only young guy there is pretty much you know, Kuzma and, you know, KCP is matured beyond his years. Um, so, nonetheless, they've taken this Cleveland model and brought it to L.A. Yes. Well, why everybody's loving that. And it's important why, Rick, as I'm coming full circle, LeBron still has a level of immaturity kind of nonsense that he likes to get away with during the regular season where he mm-hmm. gets kind of loose with his accountability. And he knows how to turn it on when playoff time comes and and when he's needed there but it's almost like here's my here's my crutch here's the guys i can lean on here's my james jones my mike miller my richard jeffersons you know yeah while i kind of you know kind of do my thing and if i do some nonsense they're gonna have my back but when i do it around these young guys see these young guys don't understand when I, LeBron James, want to take a playoff on defense, Brandon Ingram, you don't take the playoff. Right. Lonzo Ball, when I shoot out an Instagram post, you don't shoot out an Instagram post. Like there's stuff for me right. and there's stuff for you, young right. fella. Right. And those guys didn't get it yet at this stage in their career. But the the Rondos, the McGee's, those guys have it. Yeah. And that's why I, you really love that roster for the yin and yang approach. And even LeBron understands it, man.
1: Well, this is the question that I have, and we'll wrap on this is this is the real question for me because you're right. They are building a team that fits the profile that LeBron has won with in the past. It also fits the profile of teams that haven't been quite good enough in the past in that, where are those vets on their timeline? And, What's most curious to me is, are these guys, how much do these guys have to help LeBron at this stage? And how much can LeBron still be the dominant factor where he makes the game easier for all of them? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? LeBron, at his height, it was all I need is floor spacers. I'm going to make the game easier for you, I'm going to get you easy shots. Uh, we're gonna, we, we got enough. I mean, the question I have is how well are they going to be able to defend with all these older guys? And, uh, and so that's, that's what I don't know. I, I, I don't know where LeBron is after that injury last year. Was that the beginning of the decline or was that just a blip on the radar and he goes back to being what he's been, which is seeming it, practically invincible. I,
0: I believe, I believe it's a blimp, and I've had a groin injury before, and I believe they over-rested it. It took a little longer than I would have expected, but I believe they over-rested it. And, you know, Clutch Sports and LeBron want to make it a point to get Luke Walton the heck out of there because maybe they didn't listen to him before. Do I have that documented? No. These are just my opinions. Uh, why did LeBron uh, hurt his groin, and wh- why do I think uh, it came about? it was the christmas day game Mm. and you know he could have just taken a private plane up later but i tell you one thing during christmas as regimented as lebron james is maybe he stayed up a little later than normal maybe he he broke his diet you know he missed a stretching or therapy session uh for christmas christmas day and then when he flew up you know the jet lag got him or he hadn't stretched or that routine was off for a second I believe that's why LeBron got hurt. And then I believe the drag it out was kind of a, a, a bit of a power move because, hey, L- Luke wasn't his guy. And it's not that yeah. Luke is a bad guy and it's not that there's a problem, but uh, they weren't in agreement with the way. And I've, I've heard this and not from LeBron personally, but the frustration was that they were letting the young guys do whatever they wanted to do. Hmm. When they got on the floor, they were just, they were too free, and he wanted Luke to be a little more strict, and by the time he, he got into it, it was just, it was too late.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I do know that there was a point which I was told that he was delaying the return, trying to push for J. Kidd to come in and replace uh, replace Luke, and that ultimately did not happen and then they went through the post the postseason machinations but I find it interesting Jason Kidd somehow someway ends up on the bench and sure appears to, and appears to be a head coach in waiting after all is said and done and I think he would have been there even if Ty Lu had taken the job if I'm not mistaken um I, and I, I believe I'd have to go back and check my notes pretty certain that Jay was amenable even if Ty took the job, that he'd come in as an assistant coach to be the coach in waiting, just in, in case in, that didn't work.
0: And Ty was just saying, all right, well, give me four or five years
1: yeah.
0: or whatever, and they yeah. couldn't commit to that. And I believe that is the, the, was the beginning of the end, and that's the one wrong that they couldn't write in this process, even with Magic Johnson. And everything had seemed to have gone beautifully of late, you know, the roller coasters, you know, and that's putting it lightly.
1: Yeah. All right. Before you start singing the praises of Magic Johnson again, we're going to wrap this up because we got enough oh, of that on the, the that other that other podcast that we did. Uh, this is uh, or this does it for this episode of Buker and Hollins. Uh, wherever you get your i uh, your podcast, iTunes or wherever, please rate the show. Thank you to all of the, all of the hundreds who have already. Um, and if you want to be eligible for some prizes. Just screenshot that review and send it to at Friends, and you will be eligible. In the next podcast, I will once again be joined by my man, Will Blackman. Keep in mind, we have gone to a -a three-day-a-week schedule for the podcast through the rest of July and August. And so um, we're going to try to be consistent on our days. Just know we're going to be out three days a week, which three days, that may be a little fluid as we deal with vacations and whatnot. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.